0: The podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Hello, everybody. Hello. Um, My name is Simon. I'm a a member of the church and uh, a part of the uh, leadership team here. Uh, I'm also dad and uh, work at a software company. So just so you know a little bit about me. Now we're going to read God's word together. Uh, Would you like to turn to uh, Mark and chapter 10? I'm going to read uh, from verse uh, 32. It will be uh, on the screen for you there as well. I I trust and hope you can see that okay. Fantastic. Let's go for it then. Let's uh, read God's word together. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. "'Teacher,' they said, "'we want you to do for us whatever we ask.' "'What do you want me to do for you?' he asked. They replied, "'Let one of us sit at your right "'and the other at your left in your glory.'" You do not know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism I'm baptised with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism I'm baptised with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they've been prepared for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many that's the end of our reading but at the heart of what it means to be a christian is to be someone who's received a a new identity In this series, we're going to be exploring what that new identity looks like and how it interacts with the world around us. Last week, uh, Nick brought us the idea of living with perspective, uh, what it looks like to live in the here and now as someone who has an eye on and an awareness to God's big work in the world. Perhaps you can remember that looked like someone who's looking upward in worship Someone who's looking backward in gratefulness and someone who's looking forward in expectation. And tonight we're going to consider the topic of service and serving others as the key ingredient in our identity as followers of Jesus. So that's what tonight is going to be all about. Service and serving others. First off, a little story. Uh, which I think might date from about 10 to 15 years ago. I've been around here long enough that my memory's actually a little bit blurry about the exact dates uh, of it. But this was a good number of years ago, and I could have picked any, so many different serving or serving others' stories from this place, but I have just chosen chosen one, because when it comes to this topic, I actually can't shake it out of my mind. It seems to have made a real impression on me. So I wanted to share it uh, with you. Fifteen years ago, I say I'm foggy on the dates. Recently, a family in the church had been uh, bereaved. Uh, I knew the family, and I knew the family, I knew the relation that had passed as well. We were, I was sitting with someone in the church, and we were sat together, and, and as would often happen in the church, when someone has some uh, big life-changing news like that, we share it, don't we? We're church family and we share things like that. We would often share that through um, through something in our news sheet. The news sheet's called Focus, as you well know, and that section where we might do something like that is called Family News. And what had happened is that in the, in the previous uh, week, as news went out that this uh, family had been bereaved, there'd been some kind of miscommunication. Somehow, something had got lost in translation. I'm not sure how it happened, but it, as it was written in the news sheet, it read that the wrong relation had passed away in this family. I think it read, I think it read um, uh, it read sister when it should have said, mother. It's, these things happen, don't they? There's miscommunications, there's uh, all kinds of things can get lost in translation. But that, that, that was the fact of the matter, and that, that was the, the situation. And the person I was sat next to had noted that in, in the Focus news sheet. And what they did next was absolutely stunning. They spotted the family uh, walking in to church the first Sunday after that bereavement. They, uh, it wasn't their responsibility to do this at all, but they met them at the door walked them through to their chair, explained all of that on the way, offering uh, comfort, uh, grace, and an explanation. It was just a lovely way of just seeing unseen service. I got to see it. No no one else did. I had a privileged seat for watching that bit of unseen service that morning. It just made a real impression on me. So I wanted to share that little vignette with you, that slice of life. Hopefully, those little things are happening all the time. And, uh, but that's just an example to kind of prime us to thinking about the topic of service and serving others. Here's why I think I love that story, um, partly because it just shows some of the key aspects of service and serving others. I think those are someone who's valuing others above themselves clearly that person had this family and their situation on their mind this is someone who was looking out for the interests of others and someone who was unafraid to make the first move they just got up out of their chair and they did it they got serving and then someone who graciously met a real world need i love that little story partly too because i think it could have been so different you know, that is, you could take that really the wrong way, couldn't you? That, this could have been a situation that uh, could have been a sore point, a complaint, a grievance, a wound, carefully nursed, and that could grow and become something really unhelpful, and we see those things happen too. Church and other organisations uh, are by no means immune from those, but all of that, I think, was prevented by this act of... A little bit of humble, unseen service—something really lovely. So I just tell you that story to prime us for thinking about the servant mindset at work in small but significant ways to build up and protect uh, God's people. Well, our topic this evening is service, um, and I want us to to really dive into it into it now. Uh, The general concept of service is not unique to Christianity. We don't have a monopoly on it in any way, shape, or form. Uh, You will, of course, find it in all world religions. The major world religions all speak of the necessity of serving both the service of God or gods or the ideal, and also serving others. If if you'd like to turn to your Quran, Surah 10.3, Your Lord is God, who created the heavens and the earth in six days, settled over the throne, governing all things. There's no intercessor except after his permission. Such is God your Lord, so serve him. Or Surah 20, verse 14. I am God, there's no God but I, so serve me, and practice the prayer for my remembrance. Hopefully it's not a surprise to you that we don't have a monopoly on service. But here's what is unique. Here's what is distinct, that in Christianity, God's very identity, his purpose, his vocation, his rationale, his modus operandi is service. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. God is a servant uh, from first to last, not simply for a season, But from Genesis to Revelation, God serves his people. He wasn't simply gentle and lowly at one point in one time, but he is gentle and lowly. This is Jesus' own description of his identity, vocation and his purpose. He's come as a servant, giving his life in exchange for the lives of many. So Jesus uses this statement about himself. He calls himself the son of man. That's not, uh, that's his favorite way to refer to himself. It's a title that he gets from Daniel and Ezekiel, but most famously in Daniel. It describes someone who has uh, all authority, power, uh, and glory. And in that same breath, he tells us that first and foremost, the one who has power, glory, sovereignty has come to serve. He's come as a servant, giving his life in exchange for the lives of many. I think it's probably something that that we, that we take for granted once you've been around in Christian circles a while, that God has come to serve. Even the fact that we've lived 2,000 years in a kind of Christendom means that we're a little bit used to it as well. We could take things like the very title PM, Prime Minister, is kind of first servant. We laugh at that because that's really not how it looks these days. But this should be shocking to us. It should be shocking and hit us afresh that God is a servant. He's come to serve. But So far we've been speaking simply of God in Christ come to serve, uh, but we haven't really touched upon us and our identity, and what we're to do, how we're to live. And we will get to that. But it seems to be very deliberate, and not by my design, but by the design of Jesus, that we talk first about God serving us, then we talk about what we might do, us serving others. For it's only those who've received, who've accepted, who've let Jesus serve them, who are then ready to serve in Jesus' name. And Jesus is uh, terrifyingly insistent about this. Hopefully you would recognise the image on screen at the moment. That's uh, uh, a wash basin and uh, and a towel. And you would find that symbol in John chapter 13, where Jesus washes uh, the disciples' feet. Uh, Hopefully you'll... Be aware of the scene. On the night of Jesus' arrest, during the Last Supper, he removes his outer garments, he wraps a towel round his waist, and he pours water into a basin and washes the feet of the disciples. And he dries them uh, with a towel. Jesus shows us in that, in that scene kind of a, a different view of greatness just through his clothes. He removes his outer garments wraps a servant's towel around himself and he's performing the tasks of what a servant or slave would do. He's wearing the uniform of a servant and performing the tasks of a servant. But he will not, we're not ready to serve until we've let him serve us. And I think that's probably where some of the uniqueness of a Christian approach to service is and where some of the distinct aspects of what it is to serve as a Christian uh, looks like. Let's uh, read a little bit of um, that account where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Um, allow me to to read this section to you. This is uh, with uh, Jesus just about to wash the feet of Peter. He came to Simon Peter, this is verse 6 of John 13, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realise now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Verse 8, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. It's pretty startling at first. No, you shan't wash my feet. It's classic Peter, it's direct. But I think, as shocking as it might be, it's very understandable. I don't claim to know what's going on in Peter's mind, but it's probably a reasonable guess that there's some combination of pride and shame kind of mixed together. Peter wants to be part of this great cause to uh, change the world, but he doesn't want to admit or show need or lack or weakness. Peter doesn't seem to mind Jesus washing other people's feet you can probably see that the other people need washing but perhaps he's not okay for Jesus to do that to him but having Jesus kneel before him as a servant after knowing him as lord and master was something quite different and for Peter at this point was intolerable I'm sure Peter, like most of us, would rather figure out some clever way of cleaning himself up. And that's exactly what I do. That's my instinct. Uh, When uh, you only have to, like, be part of uh, the Richard's household for, like, five minutes to work out that that's what I do. When things get difficult, when sins and failures compound, I would go, go it alone. Don't ask for help. Don't admit weakness, don't show lack or need. Put your head down, go it alone, sort this out yourself and get through. Uh, I would put myself in the Peter type. It's hard to admit uh, need, uh, weakness and lack. Jesus' answer to Peter is just as direct as Peter's, what Peter has just said to him. Jesus answers unless i wash you you have no part with me that's pretty serious there is no other way to relate to jesus and disappointingly for someone like me uh, we can't see ourselves as essentially do it yourselfers who who partner with jesus to help people out who are less fortunate than than you that's what i default to i don't know what whether that resonates with uh, any of you. Our instinct, perhaps, is to think of ourselves as strong, uh, all-together people who help others out with their spare time. Jesus insists that we accept him as God who kneels before us in love and humility to cleanse and forgive and restore us. Uh, Beautifully, Peter doesn't spend too long in that frame of mind, and his response is... Is classic Peter again? Throw me in! <laughs> you know, chuck the water basin right at me. I'm I need full cleansing. Uh, if this if this is how it's going to be, Jesus, then you know the wash basin needs to go over my head. Uh, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. It is only those. And it really is only, there's no other way into service. There's only those who've received, accepted, let Jesus serve them who are ready then to serve in Jesus' name. You are not ready to serve until you let Jesus serve you. If that's... If you're serving today and... You're serving in your own strength, out of duty, a misguided need to please others, whatever it may be. Is there a need just to put that down? And before you go any further, admit, accept, let Jesus serve you. And then you'll be ready to serve others. The real punchline of the passage kind of comes next in verse Uh, 13. Jesus, having then washed the disciples' feet, rises and stands up, takes his place back at the table and asks his disciples, do you understand what I've done for you? It's an amazing question. God has come to serve us. Here the symbol, of course, is, is washing feet, but we take it to be much larger than that. We could picture something like his His betrayal, his crucifixion, his death. And ask ourselves, do you understand? Picture God in Christ asking us through his word, do you understand what I've done for you? I think we regularly need to ask that of ourselves when it comes to serving God and serving others. Jesus asking you, do you understand what I've done for you? Fortunately, Jesus does not leave us in any doubt as to what's expected. He says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Verse 13 of John 13. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, in no one, is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now we can get to uh, how, what service looks like for us, how we should then live. That last verse of that passage on screen at the moment. If you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Let's talk now uh, just about getting on and serving. And uh, we'll do that as, uh, for the next part of this section. And right now I just want to change tack and take a little bit of break and talk about some TV. And uh, uh, the TV I want to talk about is one of those classic uh, servants and uh, upstairs, downstairs. Kind of stories. I think we're all semi fascinated with those. I owe, I owe Clive this uh, illustration. In fact, I wonder what your favourite one is: um, Downst- Downton, uh, Victoria, uh, upstairs, downstairs, Gosford Park, whatever it may be. We love these stories of uh, servants, maids, footmen, cooks, and I wonder. What you think makes a good servant? That is the subject of a conversation between the housekeeper, Mrs. Wilson, in the murder mystery, Gosford Park, an upstairs-downstairs story uh, um, uh, set in an English country house. Uh, The housekeeper is talking to one of the ladies' maids, and they're talking about what makes a really good servant. Have a think to yourself. What, what do you think is the gift that separates a good servant from the rest? I wonder whether you've got an idea of the characteristic. And here's what uh, Mrs. Wilson, the housekeeper, says in Gosford Park. She says, it's the gift of anticipation. And I'm a good servant. I'm better than good. I'm the best. I'm the perfect servant. I know when they'll be hungry and the food is ready. I know when they'll be tired and the bed is turned down. I know it before they know it themselves. It's only possible to anticipate and then serve the needs of others by having uh, the servant mindset. And that's exactly what we see in Jesus. He anticipates our needs, our needs of cleansing, our needs of forgiveness, our needs of restoration. He makes the first move. They're all sat around the dinner table and everybody's got dirty feet. He goes first. He anticipates the need. When you know we're talking in bigger terms than that, he anticipates our need of forgiveness by coming into the world and heading to the cross on our behalf. He anticipates, he initiates, he makes the first move. To put it in Richard Judd terms, God shows up. And he serves us. It's the gift of anticipation. Uh, And I think that's uh, what we should be uh, looking for as we try and develop a servant mindset as ourselves. If we really want to be distinct, and we know we don't have a monopoly on service, on good works, then what is the distinctly Christian way to serve? It's to anticipate uh, the needs of others to put someone else's interests above your own because you are following in Jesus' footsteps when you do that. And Jesus effectively says, if you know all these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So if, if that is you, if that's the kind of thing you're up to, and it's, that's, you are blessed. You're blessed as you do them. Perhaps you could hold, hold in your mind some area of service this week. A place, a person, a setting, whatever it may be, somewhere that you might feel able to label as that's a place where I'm serving. It's in that place that we can be Jesus to someone else. We can emulate the master and put someone else's needs above our own and serve them. So I would like like you to do that for me now just as we uh, draw draw to a close um could you hold that place in your mind a a place a person an activity a setting in the week ahead where you do or where you could uh, serve others just take a moment to really get clear on where that might be thank you for doing this place a person activity a setting in the week ahead where you could or you do serve others i really want you to picture it clearly have you got it visualize yourself there this week and imagine serving the master serving jesus in that place and hear these words that are for you and with this i'll close Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, He will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. That's why we serve. Amen.